Hey everybody, welcome to episode 30 of the Aquascaping Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Art. Check us out at aquascapingpodcast.com. And if you want to check out all the interviews and shows, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher Radio as well. Joining us today is one of the most prolific and creative aquascapers in the world. If you're into aquascaping at all, you already know who he is. He's known as the Aquascaping Rebel. Today's guest on the show is Oliver Knott. I'd like to give a special shout out to our friend Thomas Giblin, the CEO of Sharkbite Communication, who is instrumental in helping us get this interview with Oliver at the Aquatic Experience in Chicago. Now, I wasn't able to make it to Chicago this year, but thankfully, Sean was able to go with a list of questions in hand and sit down with Oliver and conduct the interview. Unfortunately, Sean's audio didn't make it through, so I'm going to play the virtual interviewer for the show today. I started with this business when I was 16 in 1988, so now I'm about 28 years in this business. After I learned in a pet store, selling rabbits, anything, uh, I decided, I think, 2001 to make my own company to set up aquarium. This was the history. For sure, I think 1998, I've met the first time uh, Mr. Armano in, in Germany because I sell his products as first job in Germany. I think this was the start with the biggest influence for me. With the biggest influence for me. Hey, Aquascaping Nation, Sean here. I want to share with you a little bit about this talk I saw Oliver not give at the Aquatic Experience in Chicago. Oliver prefaced his talk by sharing some personal private photos from his his visit or his stay while attending Takashi Amano's funeral this past year. It was a very personal and private moment that he was sharing with us and that I appreciated getting a brief glimpse of what that event was like and how people paid their respects to Mr. Romano. It was interesting to see the funeral process within the Japanese culture, but also to see the gathering of people who came from around the world to celebrate the life of Mr. Romano. Most of us as aquascapers had a sense of loss or of some type of emptiness in the hobby after his passing. I appreciated uh, Oliver sharing that bit with us during his talk or at the start of his talk. It's always interesting to me where aquascapers get their inspiration from outside of aquascaping. Sometimes I don't have so many time to go in the different nature parts and take a look, but uh, it's very different. Sometimes I go through the forest and see something, but uh, also some interesting movies inspiring me because they're the designer of the movies are very creative and uh, you can see a lot of things. The Hobbit movies that were so inspiring with all the, the scenery of New Zealand and uh, you can find so many things uh, because uh, for sure nobody can travel every, uh, around the world to see all the, the, the great nature. So. 
As I mentioned in the introduction to the show, Oliver's known as the aquascaping rebel, and throughout his career, he's continually thought outside of the box and pushed the boundaries of aquascaping. And we wanted to know what motivates him to push forward and continually reach for new ideas and concepts. Sometimes it's not so easy. Like I told you, now it's 28 years in this business, and uh, it's not easy sometimes to to find new ideas but I, the different way to set up a crime I think this is the motivation himself because I don't want to make everything the same so I try to find new ideas and this is my main inspiration Something that often comes to mind when I'm writing questions for the guests, especially the prolific aquascapers that we have on the show, is if they look back and have one aquascape that kind of sticks with them and stands out amongst all the aquascapes that they created in the past. I think I made a nano tank in a few years ago where I put in out of square. So I, the name is out of square because I... I, I put it in a, in a different angel and uh, add some woods on left and right, I think, and, and with most outside, I think this was completely uh, different, and this is one of my personally favorite. Another question we often ask on the show is if there's one plant you could just completely banish from the universe forever, what would that be and why? And here's what Oliver had to say. I have a, a, one of my lovely plants I use is Utricularia graminifolia, but it's always I hate the the plant sometimes because it's like a woman, you know, you can you can handle them like you want, but she is never satisfied. So <laughs> You know, one of the great things about doing this show is that you get perspective not only of the past history of aquascaping and its influences, but also a little glimpse into the future. And Oliver makes a really great point here in a second about society and the world that we live in today might be setting us up for a surge and a big boost in popularity in aquascaping in the near future. We asked Oliver where he sees the hobby going in the next 10 years. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, that's an interesting question, especially because all of their digital things around us and uh, I think there's a big chance because the people getting boring of uh, I think of all the plays and all the games and something they need the opposite and uh, it's a big chance to if we if we promote this hobby in an easy way uh, that the people say okay today I don't want to uh, play Call of Duty or something else I um, want to uh, uh, set up a new tank or take care about my plans because I think it's 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 a different part. Uh, it's the nature, it's it's at home and it's real. It's not a fake or it's not a digital thing. So I think we have a big chance, but we try to have to uh, to make it easy for the customer for all that they, that they can see. It's not so complicated and it's not too much work. One of the first stories that stands out to me as Oliver is sharing his about his time with the Nature Aquarium Gallery was this task that he was asked to do by Mr. Romano. There was a rockscape, um, wonderful set of stones, and I don't think you'd find anything other at the Nature Aquarium Gallery. And Mr. Romano liked their placement. He felt that uh, the rocks were in the right place, but the rest of the layout was wrong. 
And so he wanted to change the layout. And the approach in doing so was that he asked uh, Oliver not to remove the substrate and the rest of the aquascape without disturbing or moving the stones. He wanted them preserved in their position and alignment. You know, if anyone else could have seen the look on Oliver Knott's face at that time, I bet it was priceless because... Even the look on his face as he told us what he was told then was one of complete bewilderment. And I think everybody else in the room had that kind of same thought that that is an impossible task. Needless to say, he set out trying to accomplish that task. Now what I think that does is it illustrates one of the approaches that the ADA Nature Aquarium Gallery takes. And that is this tension to detail and this very, very hard work approach to creating a layout. And there is nothing that they are afraid to do or try to do in order to perfect a layout, including removing all of the substrate while keeping the rocks in position. Another thing he talked about was how before Amano prepared for an aquascape that the substrate in the aquarium had to be perfectly level. And he shared a photo of someone with almost a a T-square and a triangle pretty much trying to determine if the substrate was level so that Mr. Amano could begin. And again, this illustrates that attention to detail and the pursuit of perfection that I think they definitely try to accomplish there. And it's something the rest of us as aquascapers may want to try to do ourselves. Now, we don't have to do some things that may sound ridiculous, but I think we can consider that if we take a wholehearted approach to each and every layout, that those layouts might be better than they were or would be otherwise. If you follow Oliver on Facebook, and the odds are that you do, you've seen his amazing showroom. We wanted to know what were the deciding factors in the designs of those aquascapes. Yeah, so for the big tanks, I decide myself that is it must be handled. You must be handle it. Because if you set up too complicated with too difficult plans and you have to take care too much time, uh, it's in my in at, in my situation. It's not possible to handle. Also for the customers, if they have two big tanks and nobody who maintains uh, this is uh, hard to handle. So I try uh, to keep uh, easy plans like Microsorum, Anubias, and something else inside that I am. I know it's. I don't have to cut them every week. Just two or three uh, weeks sometimes if you see the big tanks maybe Amano made in, in Japan or something else in, in Lisbon it's a different if you are have two or three people take care about a big tank and they try to reach the highest standard but uh, this can you only do in, in some special part in the world You may have noticed that Oliver travels extensively around the world, and we wanted to know what his perspective was of the hobby community as a whole. I think it's even uh, all the people, not all the people, but it's overall the same. They have the same problems or the same goals. Uh, so they have algae, some plants don't growing in this uh, under these conditions. So uh, but interesting is that you, when you come together with. Uh, Chinese aquascapers, with Japanese aquascapers from Vietnam, from Korea, from USA, from Portugal. Uh, they are uh, 
they come together very close but I think it's it's normal in the, in, a, in a hobby when they when you have this uh, interesting uh, that you are yeah, there's no border huh? and uh, that's interesting and nobody take care about political things and if these are uh, they don't care they t just want to set up uh, new uh, ideas new crime and this is what I, uh, I love that uh, this influence <laughs> Next, we asked Oliver if aquascapers tend to overlook or underestimate certain aspects of keeping a healthy planted aquarium. I think maybe uh, if you see the high-skill aquascapes with uh, many light, I, th I think, in my opinion, you have to, to start with a low light and very easy aquascape to come into the hobby. And uh, I think sometimes the people see maybe a nice picture from a nice aquascape with a one watt per liter and a lot of CO2 amount and a lot of nutrients. And uh, they uh, failed the most time because they can't handle it, the problems. So in my opinion, start with a low light with uh, some massy layers, foreground plant or um, anubias or something else, valisneria and cryptocorina, or moss, very easy. And uh, if you are successful or if you enjoy this hobby, then you can start with a more high-skilled uh, plant. I think this is very important. Not try to reach the, uh, uh, the, the horizon with the first tank, so I think. No matter how careful you are, if you're in the hobby long enough, you're going to have an aquascaping mishap. We wanted to know what Oliver Knott's worst disaster story is. So my worst was when I using I, I set up a 2,000 liter discus tank and in uh, and put a root inside uh, a big wood and I, I, I put them between the bottom class and the top class because uh, it fits in very good. But after one week the the wood suck in uh, suck full with water and the tank crashed in the bottom because the, the wood is so strong and uh, destroyed uh, um, the glass down so this was my mistake because uh, I didn't expect that the wood is growing so the dead wood because it's getting so full with water so even if you be uh, uh, very carefully if you take a, a wood in your tank it's bigger it's they're getting bigger and only two or three percent percent of the of the wood grow and destroyed the thing. This was my worst case. For those of you that want to hear more about this uh, experience Oliver not had at the ADA Nature Aquarium Gallery, I know he is coming out with a book called Training Days, uh, my time at the ADA Nature Aquarium Gallery. I'm not sure when it's releasing, but it's available in English. I think I'm going to be picking it up. Uh, I enjoyed the talk, and I think the book has a lot of really neat pictures, and that insight into their approach uh, is is something many of us at least are interested in hearing about and learning about. So keep your eyes open. I'm sure it'll be available soon here. Uh, if you're interested, pick up the book. Give it a read. To find out more information on Oliver Knott, check him out at Facebook at facebook.com slash okaqua. That's it for this week's episode of the Aquascaping Podcast. Don't forget to check us out at aquascapingpodcast.com. Check out all the interviews and shows on iTunes as well as Stitcher Radio. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.